Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Learning from your mistakes is a great gift from God. Sadly, many people, even those of faith, keep making the same mistakes over and over again. The problem is often they seem to think that they know better than God. In Genesis chapter 19, God rescues Lot again, and Lot still disagrees with God's plan. It seems as though Lot is not taking God's judgment seriously, and his life shows us what happens when we don't. In fact, many people who claim faith don't even believe in God's judgment. What happened to Lot? Let's join Pastor Jim as he concludes his message, The Power of Influence and Choices. Verse 12, that, that, then the men, the angels, said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whoever you have in the city? Take them out of the place. Take them out of this place. Then they tell Lot while they're there, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Do you know what's happened here? They've pushed God too far. You know, there, there, there seems to be a point where you can push God too far. Now, if you think you have, it's not you. <laughs> because it's people who think they can't do that. That's why Jesus told us to repent and believe. You know, a nation, God judges nations. And, and nations, a nation can only push God so far. Man, I pray he has mercy on us. I pray that he brings us to himself. So... Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. Look at this. But his sons-in-law, to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Well, if we're surprised how Lot lost his moral background with his daughters, his son-in-laws tell us why. Now, we don't know whether he had other daughters or they were betrothed. We learned that with Joseph and Mary, so you're engaged, but you're not intimate yet. We don't really know what's going on with this. But the point seems to be there was, there was nothing about Lot that made him seem like the real deal follower of Yahweh to these young men. I mean, could you just hear it? I mean, could you just hear it? You know, Lot comes along and he says to his son-in-laws, you know, or they're engaged or something like that. And, and, and they're like, he's like, come on, we got to get out of here, man. I'm righteous Lot. God's going to destroy this place. That would be like, dude, you just offered our future wives to the crowd. You, or, or our sisters-in-laws, you just, you just offered them. You could just picture them looking at, at, at him going, you have, and you have, you have now, and you have never had any credibility with us. What are you telling us? We got to get out of this place. God's going to judge this place. God needs to judge you, man. You're a phony. Verse 15, when morning dawned, the angel urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed. Some of your versions say, swept away in the punishment of the city. 
But notice as we come to verse 16, they lack the will to escape. And while he lingered, what's Lot doing? He's hesitating. The pull of Sodom is so strong on him. He's blinded. They're blinded by the angels. The other guys, he's blinded to the kingdom of God and the promises of God. He's an inconsistent believer. Tells his son-in-laws to hurry, right? But he won't. And it says, the men took hold of his hand. Think about that. The men took hold of his hand. They had to actually grab him. They actually had to grab him, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. Right about now you're saying, why in the world is, why are they helping him? And we're told, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. As we come to verse 17, notice how many times the word escape, some of your versions say flee, is used. The sense of urgency the Lord wants us all to have when fleeing from sin. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he, one of the angels, said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Remember that. Do not look back nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed, lest you be swept away. Verse 18, then Lot said to them, please know my lords. Now that I'm an angel, I'm like, what do you mean no? (laughs) Like, I would be like, oy vey, God, can I just please, please? I'll take the girls, I'll take his wife, I'll take the girls, but can I get rid of this guy? Verse 19, indeed, now your servant has found, if your service has found favor in your sight, and if you have increased your mercy, which you have shown towards me by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. What's he full of, fear or faith? Fear. See now, the city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. It is not a little one. And my soul shall live. And he said, verse 21, and he said to him, see, I have, fa- I have favored you concerning this thing also, that I, I will not overthrow this city for which I have spoken. So the angel says, I'm not going to do it. Hurry, escape. Therefore, I cannot do anything until you arrive. Therefore, the name of that city is Zar. So Lot's on the run. God is rescuing him from the destruction again. God is rescuing him. But what does he want to do? Oh, you want to take me over there? No, I want to go over there. He wants to go his own way. He's still not trusting the Lord. Friends, the Lord is looking for us to trust him. The Lord is looking for us to be committed to him. Even when we're in times like right now, Lot is, and like we are, venturing into the unknown, where we don't know what is coming next. Now, total commitment doesn't save you. The Lord does. But total commitment to the Lord, or as best as you can commit, given the fact that we are all sinful people, but a mindset of commitment to the Lord will position us for the Lord's best, not the world's best. Lot was saved by God because of God's grace and mercy. God provided a refuge for Lot. 
He didn't want it. And God provides a refuge for us now under the cross of Christ. Today, few people believe in a God that will actually judge. Even many Christians don't believe it. But you look at the cross of Christ, just imagine it for a second. It tells us many things, but two things it tells us. It tells us, first off, what God thinks of sin. It also tells us a lot about the holiness of God. Verse 23, the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Verse 24, then the Lord, or Yahweh, rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we get the expression fire and brimstone preaching. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. So even the plants were wiped out. Places just torched. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Now, some Bible scholars say she looked back longingly. It's not inherently clear. But what did the angel say? Don't look back. Now, I know we live in the age of, of, of positive and uplifting church. We live in an age where our pulpits have virtually no prophetic edge to them with just a few notable exceptions in terms of pastors that are famous right now. And the ones that have that prophetic edge are, are like 80, still preaching. And without the prophetic edge in our pulpits, that explains all the false converts that wilt when one little thing goes wrong. But here's the truth. The word of God shudders over divine judgment. I don't know about you. I read this and I'm just like, oh, oh. Interesting, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking to people who saw miracles but didn't believe, and Jesus actually defends Sodom, saying they didn't see the works of God. And yet, how many of us have seen the works of God? How many of us have seen unbelieving friends become committed followers of Jesus? How many of us have seen unbelieving spouses or children become committed followers of Jesus? How many have looked in the mirror and seen ourselves become committed followers of Jesus Christ? We've seen great miracles, yet many church people do when they're unmoved by it. I think that's why often Jesus goes shopping for people to become his followers, not in church. He goes shopping at Satan's house, <laughs> goes to his crowd, finds those people are a lot more responsive. Proud church people go, yes, those sinners in Sodom, they just got what they deserved. When real people go, yeah, I belong there. I might not do all the same stuff that they do, but I do a lot of the stuff that they do. Can I be honest with you something? It's what I love about Calvary Chapel. It's full of people who used to live in Sodom. 
It's, it's full of people who came from, from the sinner's crowd, and they know it. You know, it's easy to end up like Lot's wife. Good chance she was from Sodom. Unfazed by God's rescue. Now part of the frozen chosen. She's, God chooses her, and she, she can't even obey one simple command. I mean, don't be surprised, and, and even I would say don't even stand in judgment on Lot's wife, Lot, the supposed man of God. He negotiated a li- with a little bit of sin. Why can't she? Lot insisted on going his own way with God, and he's the primary influence on his wife. Why can't she go her way? Why can't she do what she wants? If Lot doesn't think God is serious, why should I think God is serious? It's so important to remember that all of our sin hurts and affects others. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. We need to remember her for ourselves and for others. It's easy to be an unbeliever. It's easy to be a fake believer. It's easy to be a compromised believer. But God wants for you and for me to be a trusting believer. Verse 27, and Abraham, how many of you remember him? Went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the plain, all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. Just imagine then you're Abraham and you just go to the edge and you look out at where your nephew and one of your best friends, Lot, lives, and you see where he lives just engulfed. There's smoke everywhere. There's flames. You're looking at this, and you're thinking, oh, no, Lot, Lot. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham. How? How did he do that? And sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Remember Abraham last week, God was like, could you save it for a couple righteous people, man? Could you do something like that? And so, and so God answered Abraham's prayer in an unexpected way. Somehow along the way, according to Peter, Lot came to the place of trusting God. What's interesting to me here is Abraham doesn't know Lot's fate. And what does he say to God here? Nothing. He's silent. He's just trusting the Lord his God. You see, that's the big difference between Abraham and Lot, is their choice of influence. I found many times in my life that when things are just not going right, I'm best off just to go like Abraham to the edge of the hill and just take a look or go for a walk and just say, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. I'm not going to do about it. This is yours. You see, God's judgment is swift. I mean, think about it. 
God judged Jesus for our sins on the cross. Man, the time from the Last Supper till Jesus was hanging on that cross was not a lot of time. Sodom warns us that God's judgment will come quietly and quickly, and it will catch people off guard. This is sad. You, you, you live around Christianity long enough, you see how the trends change. Years ago, I knew many followers of Jesus who delighted in the, in the, in the perishing of sinners. Now I don't know many who believe in it. It seems now so many in the church are suffering from complacency and, and indifference and self-centeredness. And the idea of escape is just gone. Now it's, well, you know, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, or, you know, hey, you want to come to my club, Club Calvary? Check it out, man. It's cool. Hebrews 12, 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. Fire is a sign of the righteousness of God, and Abraham is standing there, and he actually sees it. By the grace of God, Lot was saved because he had a relationship with Abraham who somehow got him to put his trust in the living God in the same way we are saved with our relationship with the crucified and risen Christ because we must put our trust in him. In the case of Lot, in the case of anyone who ends up in heaven, an individual who does not deserve to be spared is spared because the life of another, for the life of Jesus Christ. It is because of him we receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This is sometimes I look at the Bible and I go, Lord, no. But it gets worse, verse 30. We'll run through the end quickly. Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. And he and his two daughters dwelt or lived in a cave. Now the firstborn, the older one, said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on earth to come into us. The idea is no man to give us children, as is the custom of all the earth. That is a complete lie. It's not true. Where they lived, all the men were wiped out. There's plenty of men elsewhere. Just go back and live with Uncle Abraham. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father or our family line. So they made, verse 33, got their father uh, to drink wine that night, and the firstborn went and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and, she did not, and, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. That's more than a little bit of wine. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. Remember, the Bible records the complete stupidity and idiocy. It doesn't mean that it endorses it. The firstborn bore a son, and you say, well, can you prove it? This verse proves it. The, first son, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and he is the father of the Moabites to this day. 
And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. So, Lot is still the same. Lot took the three of them out of Sodom, but Sodom is still in them. The influence of Sodom is still in them. The daughter's compromised father was willing to offer them to the crowd. Why should we then be surprised that their daughters are willing to compromise and do what they do? The effect of Sodom on his family is tremendous. Now, except for Ruth, who was a Moabitess, the Moabites and the Ammonites will be idol worshipers of the worst sort and will be such an annoyance to God's people. So see, the Bible records what they did and then it gives us the result. This is what happens. You think, well, this is just one guy doing this thing and two daughters, three people, that's it. Has no effect. Oh, it's got a huge effect and it's going to have a huge effect. And as much as I don't want to say this, I'm going to say this. And I don't know if this applies to anyone here or anyone watching, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Another drunk father strikes again. I'm going to tell you, man, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of hearing about this. And if, and if your drunk father has struck at you, please, please, let him not define you. Let Jesus define you. And he may have touched you, but he didn't touch your spirit, and don't let him. Don't let him touch what doesn't belong to him. That belongs to your heavenly father. And if you are a father or a mother and you're drinking to excess, and one glass of wine is turned into two and three and four and five, stop it now while there is still time. And if it was you in the past, remember this, but such were some of you. And do your best to try to mend those broken fences and say it, that what you did was wrong. And so here, the angels grabbed Lot by the hand and took him out of the city to be saved. But the influences and choices that Lot had made led to complete destruction in life and the way things turned out. But centuries later, Jesus Christ was led out of what had become, was supposed to be the city of God, but what had become a sinful city of Jerusalem. Jesus was led out, but unlike these people who were led out to be saved, Jesus was led out to be destroyed on the cross. And yet he too reaches out to you like the angels reached out to Lot. He reaches out to you, but his hands have nail pierces in them. Even today, he reaches out to you to pull you inside the door. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, he reaches out to you to pull you inside the kingdom of God. But it'll only pull you in if you want to be pulled in. Why would he pull, what does he want to pull you in to lead you out and away from judgment? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you notice there's only two verdicts here, either death or life. Which one do you choose? Do you choose death, spiritual death, a life apart, eternity apart from Jesus? The the scripture teaches that we all live on for eternity. Do you want to live apart from Jesus or do you want to live with Jesus? Which do you choose? you want life, choose Jesus today. Turn to him and put your trust in him. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.